Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. You truly are, Father, a waymaker. Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. And Father, every situation, every problem, every circumstance in our life, God, we lay at your feet knowing that you are the waymaker that you will make a way, God, in our situation, that you are moving. Even though we don't see it, you are moving, God. You are moving in our behalf, God, that you are working things out in us, God. And Father, we give you glory and we give you honor for this day. And we thank you, Jesus, for all that you're about to do. And Father, we just lift your name today. And we love you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Praise God, you can be seated this morning. Man, we are so glad that you are here worshiping God with us. Amen. We believe that God's got a good word for you today. Now this morning, if you have your Bibles, you could turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter number 40. We'll get to that here in just a second. But we are going to finish uh, the thought that we began last week. Um, the thought of never giving up. How many know it's a good idea to never give up? Amen? You know, generally we always, the, the, the rule of thumb is we give up just before the answer's there. And so God's got something for us. God is coming through for us. So I want to encourage you today to never give up, to never quit. Amen? One of the most difficult things that we face in our relationship with God is the times of waiting. If you've been a Christian any length of time, then you'll have experienced those seasons where you've had to wait. Now the problem is, is we don't like waiting. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting. I don't like spending that time. I'm kind of spoiled, amen? I, I like what I like, I want it, and I want it now. Amen. I don't want to wait for it. I don't like waiting. And we've all experienced those moments in our life where waiting, ironically, actually becomes exhausting. Have you you ever been on a vacation where you've really done nothing, but you're really tired at the end of the vacation? I mean, sometimes just waiting around doing nothing is more exhausting than actually being involved in something or doing something. Sometimes we get to a point where the waiting seems to be so intense that it actually saps us of our energy. And I think sometimes in our Christianity, when we are in one of those seasons where we are waiting on the Lord, it can really sap our spiritual energy. Can you say amen? And all through the Bible, we see great men and women of God who were required, and I use that word required because they really didn't have much of a choice. They had to wait on the Lord. David wrote in Psalms 13, he says, how long, O Lord, how long must I wait? Job says, I shouted for help and nothing, no answer. All you did was stare at me, God. Habakkuk prayed, how long shall I cry? and you will not listen. These men of God, they're experiencing that season 
of waiting on God. And in these moments of waiting, we face one of our greatest uh, temptations, and that is either the temptation to quit or to take matters into our own hands. And either can be equally as devastating. And in these moments and times of silence, we feel vulnerable, we feel helpless, we feel empty. Yet we are told in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. It goes on to say, in Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, it says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now this morning, I have no idea what you may be going through or what you may be believing God for or what the challenge is in your life. But what I can tell you is that it will be all worth it if you'll wait for the answer. If you will hold your ground and wait, it'll be worth it. Our Father in heaven promises it. And the thing that we must do this morning is we must refuse to enter into the curse of the instant. And I want to take just a moment, if I can, from last week and just remind you of how often this affects our life. We live in a society and in a culture that values speed above quality. Can you say amen? We, uh, you know, it robs us of creativity. It robs us of our attention span. And the reality is we just want things to happen quickly. We want them to happen fast. Well, if you go back and you spend any time in the Bible, reading the Bible, you will find out that things didn't happen fast in the Bible. You know what the part of the problem with the Bible is? And, and when I say that, I say that somewhat carefully because the Bible itself is not a problem. But the problem in reading the Bible is if we're not careful, we can begin to believe that the things that happened in the Bible happened quickly. Because the Bible really is just snapshots of people's lives. If you read the book of Acts and don't understand that that took 20 to 30 years of living, then you get this idea that the miracles and all that was happening was happening in very rapid succession. The reality, it wasn't. There were times and seasons when Paul the apostle and the other apostles, they are simply living life. Paul is out making tents, living life, preaching the gospel. Days, weeks, months would go by with relatively nothing happening. And then there would be a moment that would be worth writing about. Then days, months, weeks, and years may go by with nothing happening. And then another moment that they would write about, and that was put into a book. And now today we read it, and we look at it, and we think to ourselves, well, things ought to be like that in rapid succession. And when it's not, we are discouraged, forgetting that we are trying to interpret this life through snapshots. How could I ever... Write a biography about your life by looking at your photo album. 
There would be no way, would there? Because there's a lot of life being lived between the pictures. There's a lot of things that are going on, things that are happening, good and bad, that are happening in succession, and it brings us to a place where there is much more fulfillment, much more understanding, but in the snapshots, in the pictures, we just don't get it. I was thinking about Hannah. You remember Hannah back in the Old Testament? She was the mother of Samuel. She was barren. She was married to a man by the name of Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives. His first wife, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I think it was Penel, Penella or whatever. We'll just call her Penny. And uh, uh, so Penny was his first wife. Hannah was his second wife. And Penny had lots of children. Hannah was barren. But this affected Hannah, and she wanted a child because in those days, much of the dignity and identity of a woman, especially as a wife, is could she give her husband a child? And so a lot of this was wrapped up in this. And so Penny comes along, and she is having kids one after another, and there's many kids that are coming from her. She's very fruitful. And to make matters worse, she is tormenting Hannah, she is looking down at Hannah and saying, oh, you're not worth it, you're no good, you're, you're a lousy wife, you're this, you're that, and days and weeks and months and years go by, and finally we pick up the story where Hannah can't take it anymore, and she's before the altar, she's praying, and finally Eli sees this, and he misinterprets what's going on, finally then he gets it, and he gives her a prophetic word and says, look it, you're going to have a child, God has heard your prayer, and then we know the story that God remembers her. Now here's the thing that amazes me in that story is when you read it at face value, you're, you're tempted to pick up this is the first time she prayed. You're tempted to think that in this moment, this little uh, uh, maybe 30-minute moment that she's having at the altar is what changed everything. But listen, years have gone by for this woman, and this is not the first time that she's been at the altar. I'm sure of it. This is not the first time she prayed. <clears throat> she was waiting on the Lord to answer her prayer. The temptation is, is to believe things are going to happen quickly, and they don't. And the problem is, is when they don't, we want to give up. Or we want to take matters into our own hands. Can you say amen? Now, here's the thing. We cannot and we must not throw away our confidence. What does that mean? That means we have a certain level of confidence in the Word of God. We have this level of assurance that God is coming through. Just because there is a delay, we should never throw that away because we don't know what the delay is about. The delay could actually be for our own good. Can you say amen? It could be God working something out because sometimes if God were to answer every prayer we prayed, we would be in big trouble. So what is the answer? We must develop the power of self-control and patience. Can you say amen? Listen to Hebrews 10.36 in the Amplified. It says, For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. 
So now this morning, what we're going to do is move on, and we're going to look at our text, and our text comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, this is one of those verses of what I call the upside down verse. In other words, the cause produces a completely unexpected effect. Listen to what I'm saying. For example, the Bible says if you want to live, you have to die. It's kind of upside down, right? If you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to be greatest, you must become servant of all. And on our text, he tells us if we wait on the Lord, that is when our strength will be renewed. And as I said before, waiting can be one of the most exhausting things you do. Are you hearing me? Just ask those who are standing in the line at DMV. Has anybody ever, don't raise your hand, but has anybody ever gone to the DMV? Don't you find it amazing that you have to wait in line so that you can wait in line? You have to get in line to get the number so that you can get in line. Only the federal government comes up with a system like that. Let's create a line to figure out who's going to be in the line. That's exhausting to me. That just seems like redundancy at its finest. I'm on the wrong thing, so I'll get off that. It just seems insanity to me. But if you ever go there, you understand that waiting can be exhausting. But God says those that wait on the Lord, (coughs) they shall renew their strength. Now, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word wait? Well, some might think about standing in line at Walmart. Others might think about being stuck in traffic on Stockton Hill Road or waiting in the doctor's office. You know, the famous, you know, the doctor's office are just their cousins to the federal government. Because, see, you wait in the waiting, you see, what you do is you wait in the waiting room and then you go wait in the little waiting room. You know, you, 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 you wait for an hour and a half in the waiting room, and then they bring you back, and what, what they're doing is they're making you feel like something's happening. But nothing's happening. They're just changing your location because now you're going to go wait another 30 minutes in the little room by yourself. The only thing that's entertaining to me is they got medical equipment in there that you can play with. So you could check your own blood pressure and you can, you know, look up your nose and in your ears and you got lights and different, you can look in, you know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but I play with all the equipment. So if you're ever in a waiting, if you're ever in a doctor's office after me, you probably ought to have them clean it because I touch everything. I go in, look in the cabinets and the drawers and I'm rummaging through. If they're going to leave me in there, then I'm looking. <coughs> How many you know what I'm talking about? It's, a, it's just kind of crazy. We get stuck. When we think of waiting, we often think of being passive, standing around, twiddling our thumbs. Waiting for many is synonymous with doing nothing besides just sitting there and staring at the ceiling, expecting life to just pass by. But when the Bible speaks of waiting, it's an entirely different thing than what we do at the DMV or at the doctor's office. Biblical waiting is not passive activity. 
but it's demonstrated by active dependence upon and obedience to God. I'm going to say that again. Biblical waiting is not a passive activity. It's demonstrated by active dependence upon God and obedience to him. Waiting upon God is a spiritual discipline that we should all seek to develop in our lives. Now, this is what I want to do this morning. So I want to take just a few more minutes and I want to show you some very effective ways that we can practice biblical waiting. The first one is we can practice biblical waiting by trusting that God is in control. Now, here's the thing about trusting God and trusting that he's in control. When everything's going good, we have no problem trusting that God is in control. But when things seem to be chaotic, that's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Things get to be a little bit out of control. As long as we are going in the right direction and we are making progress, it's okay. I trust God. But when we do not see the progress or we feel like things are out of our control, it's a little bit more difficult to trust him. See, in order to get good at waiting, we must trust that God is in control and nothing we are presently experiencing is out of the realm of his influence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nothing. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That's such a powerful statement. I know that's something that the Lord about three years ago really put into my life. And it's something that I have focused on in prayer every day since. Now, it's been three years and I'm still waiting on the full measure of that because I don't have it. Because there are moments when I get a little bit freaked out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But somewhere along the line, I'm learning to say, you know what, God, you know what's going on here. I have surrendered my life to you, and you are at work in my life. So here's the key to it all. Listen to Psalms 40, verses 1 through 4. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. This is the key to it all. I waited patiently. I waited patiently, knowing that he would hear my cry, knowing that he has heard me. He brought me out of that pit. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock, and he established. He made it solid and sure. Why? Because I was waiting on him. See, trust is letting go of what you hold the most important and surrendering your need to control. That's what trust is. That's what's so difficult 
As much as we want to fix our problems, we must all wait upon the Lord by trusting him. Can you say amen? See, God will fix the things in our lives much better than we could ever do it. Sometimes the most difficult thing for us is to do nothing at all except wait upon the Lord. The second way that we could practice waiting on the Lord is by acknowledging our dependence upon Him. See, connected to this idea that God is in control is really our sense or understanding of complete dependence upon Him. See, it's very natural for all of us to want to be independent. I like being independent. I like being able to call the shots. But the thing that I've discovered is I'm not really good at calling the shots. Can you say amen? And oftentimes it's extremely dangerous when I call the shots. Not because I'm evil, but because that's just life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we don't have all the facts. Our view is limited and our understanding is compromised because of the fact that we cannot see clearly. We need God to give us a deeper understanding, to help us see further and give us all the facts. We need him. John 15, 5 says it this way. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The sooner we buy into that, the better off we are. Because now we're able to allow all of that he is to flow into our lives. Can you say amen? The third thing we practice biblical waiting is by seeking spiritual strength from him. Our helplessness becomes especially obvious during times of calamity and chaos. In God alone do we find the strength to overcome the problems and difficulties of life. In Psalms, we find a significant thread that travels throughout all of the Psalms, and that is David and the writers of Psalms were asking God for help. They were continually saying, God, help me. God, move for me. God, make a way for me. And it was a part of their relationship. Can you say amen? Consider, consider these Psalms, Psalm 33, Verse 20 says, Oh, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 31, 24 says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. What is he saying? Wait and strength come together. Waiting on him is what makes you strong. In him, can you say amen? We practice, practice biblical waiting by being patient and quiet. <laughs> and, and if you're taking notes, and I know that you are, you should put in parentheses, stop complaining. Even now and then, every now and then I should say, it's good for us to stop and sit still for a moment and be quiet. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 26 says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> I love this. You, you say, why do you love it? Because it's just this, when I was wrote, writing this yesterday, this was slamming me. This is like right up in my grill. 
This is just like, John, this, this, if no one else gets this sermon, at least you get it. Psalm 62 verse 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, from, for my hope is from him. See, when we're still and when we are silent, that's when we best hear him. Sometimes people say to me, God never seems to talk to me. And that's because we never stop talking. Amen. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6 says, I waited for the Lord. My soul waits in his word. In his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. In other words, there was an intensity about his waiting. And it was quiet and patient. Another way that we practice biblical waiting is by refraining from worry and fear. Fear can be a helpful response to dangerous situations, but it can also be something that overwhelms us and takes our eyes off of Christ in bad situations. See, no matter our situation, the Bible shows us that waiting on Him involves being in control of our fear and worry. You say, why is that? Because fear and worry will make you do things that you'll otherwise never do if you let it. Fear will move you. If you allow fear to step in and take place in your life and begin to move in your life, it'll move you in a direction opposite of God. It'll move you into a place that's dangerous and debilitating. Listen to Psalms 56, 3 and 4. It says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What, what can flesh do to me? Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not be afraid, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. He says, I won't be afraid. He goes, I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to be afraid. I am not going to submit to this fear. Listen, church, sometimes fear comes up and it has a legitimacy. There are facts that are truthful, but sometimes what you got to do is stand in the face of fear and push back. This is the thing. Uh, Pastor Alex and I talk about this on a regular basis. We talk about the fact that if you're going to win the battle, you have to push back. You have to say no. I refuse to be in that place. I refuse to allow fear to control my mind. You have to make a decision that says, I am waiting patiently and I trust him in spite of what I see. Because I believe his word. His promises are true and they are amen. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. You have power over fear. Are you hearing that? Love will conquer fear. It casts out all fear. And a sound mind gives you the ability to see through the thin veneer of lie. I love what Chris Volatin says. He always says this, the dogs of doom stand at the door of destiny. 
You say, why is that? Because the devil has a vested interest in keeping you from going forward. So what they do is they bark and bark and they growl and they show their teeth, but they have no bite. It's fear they're trying to produce. And if you will press on and resist in the power of God, you will get through the door of destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We practice biblical waiting by continuing to learn and obey God's commands. Psalm 25, 4 and 5 says this, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. What is he saying in this? I want to know your way. I don't want to just know you. I don't want to know about you. I don't want to have facts about you. I want to know you. I want to see your ways, and I'm waiting on you all day long. When we wait, we grow in the knowledge of God. We see his plan for our lives clearly. When we diligently seek him and practice his ways in our life, it becomes more and more evident of who he really is to us. And it's in that place that we can be secure and safe and calm and wait on the Lord. Can you say amen? We practice biblical waiting by expecting the Lord to save Do you know, you and I need to have the expectation that God hasn't just saved us, he continues to save us. Now listen, I'm not talking about being re-saved over and over. I'm talking about the work of salvation is always moving and at work in our lives. I'm talking about what Jesus did on the cross is an eternal thing. I'm talking about the fact that it is always growing, always moving, always expanding in our lives. That we are growing deeper and deeper and deeper. In every situation, the Lord is saving our lives. Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2, it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Salvation is always there. Can you say amen? The work of salvation is always at work in me. It is forming me, shaping me, molding me until the day I walk into that heavenly place, until I walk into his presence and it's done for me. Salvation will be doing its work in my life. And I wait upon that salvation. And when I get into circumstances and situations that are beyond my control, I can wait in quietness, and wait for my salvation. Isaiah 25, 9 says this, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? We practice biblical waiting by seeking the Lord through constant prayer. Let me say this to you, church. I uh, you know the, the journey that I've been on. I've talked about it many times from this pulpit. The journey that I've been on in prayer, getting to know God, talking to him, speaking to him. There is nothing in this life that can replace that. It must be a part, just as breathing must be a part of our life. Just as having our daily food must be a part of our life. So must prayer.
talking to him, fellowshipping with him, speaking to him, allowing him to speak to us in that place where we come to him and we pray. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, he says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. What is he saying? He's saying that act, that, that principle of prayer, that relationship that only comes through that, that life of prayer is what will bring about that security that will allow us to hold our ground when everything else is falling apart. And finally, we practice biblical waiting by looking for Jesus' return. In Romans, listen to this. This is a phenomenal. Romans 8, 18 through 23. Have you ever read verses before and, and just didn't quite get them? And then you read, one day you read it again like the 10,000th time, and it jumps out, and it's like, where have you been all my life? This is kind of one of those verses or passages, starting in verse 18 of Romans 8. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Right there, that first sentence should just grip us. And what he's saying is everything you go through in this life is nothing compared to the reward of glory that will be put upon you in eternity. And then he says, for the, for the creation, not just you, the flowers, the grass, the rocks, the water, every animal waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly. In other words, this earth didn't want no part of it. But because of a decision humanity made, or I should say Adam, he got thrust into this. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, all of creation wants what we have. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. That, that's going to happen when Jesus returns. We wait. We wait. Looking forward for that moment, looking forward to that day. I don't know when that day is. No man knows the day or the hour. It could be today. Let's hope and pray. It could be next year. It could be in 100 years. I don't know. But I know this, that day is coming, and I wait. And there is strength that comes from that waiting. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 2 and 3, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself 
that where I am, you may be also. There's coming a day, church. There's coming a day that's going to make everything that we've gone through, every struggle, every difficulty, every moment of, 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 of difficulty, every moment of, 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 of hurt and pain, it's, there's coming a day that that will be as if it were nothing compared to the reward that will rest upon us. I often wondered why, how, how is it that Paul could face what he faced? How is it some of these that we know about that got martyred faced what they faced? Because they had an understanding. There was a grace that came upon them knowing that the glory that was reserved for them made that worth it. Church, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you struggle with, but there's a glorious day coming for you. And when that day comes, it'll be all worth it. As we close, and Jason can come if he wants, let me assure you this morning, God is moving. doesn't matter whether we see it or not. He is moving. Our Father is in heaven, and he is working it out in our lives. So what we need to do is we need to wait on him. That waiting is not just a passive idol sitting doing nothing, but it is pressing into him, it is being confident in his word. It's learning more about him. It's standing and holding back fear and doubt and unbelief. It's, it's raising up truth against the lie. It's saying, here I stand. It's, you know what it is? This is what it is, probably the best picture. It's Shama in the bean field. The Philistines decided to come in and steal his beans, and he said, not this time. You've done it before, but not today. You may get the beans, but you're going to pay an awful price for it. Because I'm done giving them away. I'm done. And he said, I'm going to wait right here. Bring it on, boys. And God says, man, I appreciate that guy. He goes, he, 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 he could have sent one angel, and one angel would have been sufficient. But he sent a, I'm certain he sent a bunch of them. He said, guard him, protect him. Protect that acre of beans. Don't mean nothing to nobody but him, but he means something to me. And his stand, I appreciate. That's what waiting on the Lord is. See, it's in those moments where we say, you know what, God, you promised you'd heal me. And I don't care if it takes the next 65 years, I'm going to stand on the promise that I'm healed. Period. God, you promised you'd provide for me. I don't care what you got to do. I'm standing. I've been faithful to what you've told me to be faithful with. I've been a good steward and I've honored you. And you said you'd honor me and I'm going to stand. You said my family, God, would be saved. I don't care what I see. I don't care if it seems like they're going backwards. I'm going to stand on the fact that you said me and my household shall be saved. And I stand upon that right now. I don't care about the time. Time's irrelevant. God, I stand. You said you would bring revival. I don't care. I'm going to stand. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to preach from this pulpit until revival comes. God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. God, it does not matter. I stand and I wait upon you because you are faithful. You are faithful. I'm going to resist this temptation 
to demand it be done instantly. If it is, praise God. But if it isn't, I will stand and I will wait upon the Lord. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your head with me for a moment? Father, we just thank you, God. We give you glory and we give you honor. We thank you, Jesus, that you've given us this truth and this revelation. Father, I pray that you make a way for us. Father, that you help us. Father, that as we stand and wait upon you, God, that we would come into clear revelation, God, that you are truly at work. Father, that your word would be made manifest in us, that as we wait, that our strength would be renewed. Father, that we would be invigorated, God, that we would be filled up. Father, in these seasons of waiting, God, that you would meet with us, that we would grow in you and knowledge of you, that we would not just know about you, but we would know your ways, see your moving, hear your voice, God. And we thank you, Jesus. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you would love to give your life to him, You'd love to have your sins forgiven. You say, you know what, I'm here today and I need something different in my life. I need to change. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Would you lift it up? Amen, I see that hand. You can put it down. I see that hand. You can put it down. Someone else, you want to give your life to Jesus. Raise your hand. Maybe at one time you walked with God or you talked with God, but today you find yourself disconnected. You, you find yourself away, out of relationship with him, but you want to come back to him. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins, that you would be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life, and I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come, come up front on what we do is many of our church members know that we, we have a ministry team that comes up and they, they're here to pray for you. And those of you that gave your life to Jesus today uh, or prayed that prayer, even if you raised your hand or didn't raise your hand, if you would come up and talk with one of these and, and just say, hey, I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. They will continue to pray for you, and they will speak to you about that. If you have a prayer need of any kind, healing, provision, whatever it might be, and you want prayer, you come on up and let them minister to you. Why don't we all stand to our feet? We're going to release you today. We're going to let you go. You guys have a great day. God bless you, and we will see you next weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. Can't wait to see you next week.